0: Welcome to the Perimenopause Power podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy.
1: Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Perimenopause Power. Nat, great to see you in the same room today. We're not on two Zoom screens.
0: We are not. And uh, we were just saying as well how amazing it would be to be able to record our podcast with our guest in person one day. We'll have to put that on the list.
1: Absolutely, we will. And look, we are super excited to have Suzanne Alexander, the founder and owner of Mindful Finances, a certified coach, money mindset mentor and financial literacy advocate joining us today. Suzanne has been involved in the finance industry for over 15 years and eight of those being in a financial advisory role. Using financial coaching and money psychology, she helps women to optimise financial well-being by helping them build strong financial foundations. Welcome, Suzanne, to the podcast. We are delighted to have you on.
2: Thank you. It's so uh, wonderful to be here. No,
1: it's fabulous. And we only met uh, rather recently, didn't we, at a wonderful networking dinner event? I think back in May, yeah. and there was a lot of female entrepreneur business women love in the in the room, and I had a wonderful night. It was a, a pleasure to meet you, and obviously we connected. And I said, you've got to come onto the podcast. So I'm going to kick off with the first question. So could you tell us more about your journey from financial advisor to financial coach? what prompted the shift and what changes have you seen in your clients since then?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in finance, yeah, for over 15 years. And I originally stepped into it thinking I actually need to understand more about finance myself. I probably had a bit of distrust around others managing my money. And that came from an upbringing very much focused towards you have to work hard for your money and a bit of scarcity around money as well so i um i really stepped into going right if anyone needs to understand this i do so that was where that started and then i stepped into financial advising as part of financial advising i really identified this gap between what clients were saying and what they were actually doing and the challenge around that was in sometimes there there was a real disconnect between what they wanted and and what their behaviors and habits were playing out and we actually thought it was education so we explored the education space and it really didn't make that much of a difference yes education helps but ultimately it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have your mindset and emotions are going to be what influences your decisions So I started uh, transformational coaching in the early stages of um, COVID and thought, yes, this is it, and then came across financial coaching and actually went, nope, this is it. You know, so financial coaching really starts to explore the the psychology side of of why we think the way we do, why we act the way we do, and what about behaviors and habits that we have around money. Uh, going in with a perception that this was going to support my clients, I had a transformation with my own relationship with money and that evolved into mindful finances today, which is uh, helping, you know, particularly professional women and and business owners uh, create a really healthy relationship with money and confidence with money.
0: Mm. Yeah. Amazing work. And, you know, I think, especially in today's world as well, and, you know, a lot of the financial and economic challenges that a lot of people are facing really coming down into that that mindset and mindfulness around money, I think is really important and uh, fabulous work that you are doing. Great great job and, and great as well recognizing um, the need to take your work even further and, and really hit on the root causes behind people's relationship with money. And I, I think that's really goes with with anything in life, isn't it? We, most of the time we spend so much time at that surface level. And, you know, applying Band-Aids, and we've spoken a bit even from a health context, how it's always about Band-Aids. There's, there's no focus on root causes or uh, preventative support. It's always just like, oh, this is what it is, you know, rather than actually delving into what what the actual um, issue might be at hand. So um, very important work that you're doing, which is great.
2: I just want to add to that, Natalie, because one of the things I think for me was, you know very I'm very much health focused and mine was always I don't want the band-aid I want to know the underlying issue and and you saying that's really highlighted that that really has been what has driven me with regard to the money side because for a lot of financial professionals it's very logical you've got a challenge yep great here's a strategy maybe a product if, if a product is going to support you and then that's how we're going to get there. But the problem is, if you don't underlie, you know, understand that root cause, then there's always going to be a sabotage that comes through. Mm,
0: for sure. And I think too, when you think about money, we automatically think about numbers and it being so black and white mm. that the numbers don't lie. These are the numbers, and 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 this is the information. But but everything's emotional, right? And we are emotional beings. And so even from money. Uh, whatever our relationship is or mindset is, it's 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 all emotions that that's driving that. So, yeah, it's powerful work. How does the emotional change during perimenopause and menopause impact a woman's relationship with money? And and what are the some of the things that you're seeing with with your clients?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So if you think of those symptoms, so forgetfulness, anxiety, um, there's usually some stress a- around that period, brain fog. Also, stepping into low self-worth and low confidence, these all come up um, and really are played out with money because, again, they're emotional. And 90% of our decisions around money are driven by emotion. Unfortunately, when we bring it into the emotional side of perimenopause and menopause, what we can see is that that um, is seen in overspending, And that overspending can lead to buying external things that are going to provide short-term relief. So there can be sort of that addiction to spending or on the other side, which is that scarcity of not spending at all, which is I'm not going to spend money on health professionals or other professionals that can support me to get through, maybe through lack of education, but because they don't feel that it is something that they should be spending, they may not feel a level of, worth that they can spend that money on themselves because I think there really still is this persona that you just get on with it isn't that part of life isn't that and we know that's not the case but there's still there's an underlying narrative well every female before you've gone through it and it hasn't been made into a big deal but we're entirely different generation and we have so much more knowledge around what perimenopause and menopause is that we now have the tools to be able to support people and we should be advocating for that.
1: Mm, I think there's probably a few nods going on with our listeners as you actually talk through that. And I think um, the next question probably actually feeds in beautifully with what you've just talked about, the relationship between self-worth and earning capacity, especially for women going through perimenopause and menopause. How do you see that playing out?
2: Yeah, look, self-worth... At the core of a lot of the work that I do with women is low self-worth and confidence and their internal measures. So these are internal stories and narratives that we're telling ourselves. And unfortunately, they're not generally positive stories and narratives that we're telling ourselves. And what can happen is that, and, and you hear it all the time, charge your worth. Now, that's okay to say if you've got high self-worth and, and you know, strong level of confidence. But if you don't have a high level of worth, you're only ever going to charge or earn at a capacity that feels comfortable and safe for you. And that's where the challenge comes in. So the, the challenge that arises is you don't charge enough for your services. So if you're in business, you don't go for higher paying roles. Sometimes what can happen is you actually can go for roles that have um, a skill set below what you're capable of because you're seeking comfort. We as a society are driven by an underlying need to seek safety and comfort. And you add in low self-worth, and and there are situations around low self-worth where people have actually gone to their employees and said, can you pay me less because I don't feel like I'm, you know, meeting your expectations. And so this is what we don't want to be um, stepping into, because it's it's uh, being aware that this hormonal imbalance is coming into play, and so it's really starting to look at um, you know the self worth that you've got. How can you start improving that incrementally? And self worth takes action. So if we can take a small step, that then builds a level of confidence. One of the things I've noticed out of COVID especially is because a lot of us are working from home, I work from home, is that we aren't putting ourselves forwards for particular situations or in front of the right people. And so we're then actually removing ourselves another level from being considered for job opportunities, for pay rises. And so what we're having to do is actually advocate for ourselves in another way which is really speaking up and, you know, no judgment against men. um, But, you know, there's Harvard study around a male will go for a job with 60% of the skills and a woman will go only when they have 100%. And it's really starting to put that frame of mind on, which is how would a male advocate for themselves in this position? Because I think they're a fantastic role model from that perspective of how do we need to, you know, we... I talk about in finance, there is feminine and masculine energy, and that's the masculine energy. How can we bring some masculine energy in how we can promote ourselves around our skills and capabilities and the value that we provide, whatever offering we are? And sometimes that's also just acknowledging what is the experience you've had over your whole lifetime? It's not your qualification per se, it's the experience and the qualification that actually creates the value you provide
0: oh absolutely and you know as you were talking I was thinking that exact same analogy with men and women and we are seeing that for women in particular going through perimenopause where we're seeing they're either leaving the workforce or even I don't know is it worse or the same but like women are actually demoting themselves mm. as well because they feel like they just are not up to that level of work for that role or they're not going for promotions as well. And so it's, you know, it it, it absolutely is sad, but I guess it, it possibly is that underlying self-worth that they've had across their lifetime as well. And as they're coming through this phase of life, that's becoming even more louder because physically, mentally and emotionally, they're not feeling themselves and, and then struggling or feeling like they just can't do the role Um, but then sadly what we see as well is you know the high rates of um, women who are homeless 50 plus or 55 plus or their
1: superannuation doesn't you know doesn't end up where it needs to be as well yeah Yeah,
0: exactly so and it's a it's, it's very similar conversation, isn't it, around, you know, the work that we do with menopause and health that, yes, we absolutely advocate for women supporting their health today, but you're doing it for your future as well because mm. we're living 30, 40 years beyond that one day of menopause. Well, the financial side of it and our money mindset is very much for today, but also setting ourselves up for the future too, because we are going to be in different working capacities as we get older um, and life capacities. We don't know what what happens, you know, with relationships and different things. So it's 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 really just you know vitally important that we're aware of it and, and understand our mindset around money and and pull put into play some of these things around confidence and self-worth and yeah, just really nurture that, right? Yeah, it's really,
2: mm-hmm. really important. Waiting for ourselves. So, if, if we can take it from another angle, as females, a lot of females were brought up in an environment that you're a good girl. You do the right thing. You don't question. Please and thank you. You look the right way. And yes, it's it, you know I, manners and everything. I, I I love that, but it's also acknowledging that we do need to step out of comfort and we do need to take a little bit of risk and we do need to advocate for ourselves and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And if there's any judgment, then that judgment is coming from a place in that other person Mm. that is challenging to themselves. So I do believe it does come from, and, and, you know, money beliefs and, and, um, you know, and a lot from a health perspective is very much generational. So it's really starting to change that narrative around what was maybe perceived as acceptable in past generations is really no longer acceptable now because. Past generations, a bulk of the female work, you know, p- females weren't in the workforce. Whereas now we're seeing that a lot more, one, are in the workforce, but two, they're having to be in the workforce because of, you know, the the cost of living. And even with regard to um, and, and like you talk about, there's a lot of females that, you know, either lose a partner or they go through a separation later in life. They've Empowered the partner to look after all of the financial resources, mm. and they have no understanding at all. And that again could have been influenced by their upbringing with regard to who managed the finances growing up. But from a society perspective, it's also we're, we're slowly changing that narrative that both parties should be involved because events happen, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and I, as you were talking a bit then too, I feel like you know we need to really embrace giving ourselves that permission. Yeah. And it should come naturally, but it just does not. And that permission piece is something that really, i know I reckon you would find that in your coaching, we definitely find it in ours, just giving them the confidence to go forth and do what they want. And I always say, you know, if you're happy, everyone else is ha- around you is happy because there's a real, Um, mindset around uh, you know uh, catering to everyone else's needs but your own but you've got to give yourself permission to do that first and the other stuff flows quite easily and happily you know the one thing you don't want to be doing is making decisions where you're um, you know you're uh, angry or not happy about how you're feeling but you see everyone else you around you is is happy also so that upbringing has a lot to answer for be it wonderful but I think there are some things that are really Um, holding women back in their later years, definitely.
2: Yeah, and that level of resentment that can come up, a great way to tap into that is just asking, is that resentment coming up because you're not speaking up? One of the biggest things I see from a financial perspective is women afraid to set boundaries because they're worried of um, maybe the backlash, the misunderstanding. And we know that having clear and open communication, sometimes is all that it needs to help the other individual to realize, well, actually, there's a bit of a disbalance here, that if we can have a conversation around what you feel is and isn't appropriate, and, you know, stepping into the health perspective, which is acknowledging that you don't have to be on the go all the time that we Mm. need down time to be able to re-energize and rejuvenate and especially when you're going through such a, a period or stage in your life where there's so many hormonal fluctuations and emotions that are coming up, it's being aware that it is okay to step into and, and have that time to explore that and and invest in yourself so that you can you know ease the discomfort to a degree but also set yourself up for the longer term.
1: Can I just say to our listeners at this point, can you just rewind a minute and a half and just have another listener what Susan just said? because it's excellent <laughs> advice.
0: Very good. And funny, uh, when you started talking uh, before just about that that good girl persona, mm. I was instantly taken to my eight year old who just, for me, I just think, oh my god, if she, if she's the girl of the future, our generation is going to be super strong because she, from I think three, has hated whenever my husband and I have said, good girl, like when she does something, don't say good girl. I don't like good girl. It's like she just, but I feel like my daughter has been here before and so she just finds sure that she has. completely patronising. So I'm very conscious about that. Because I'm not saying it in a patronising way, but it's like, I'm not, don't say good girl. I'm not, you know, say good job, Yeah, you <laughs> know. It's amazing. So yeah. and I love
2: that reframe because that's all it takes. You know, I think, you know, I saw I, I listened to a song the other day and it was, I don't know, it was on radio. So I don't know who sang it. And it goes, You used to be a good girl, but now you've changed. And I'm like, no, she's just come into her own being.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That's so true. Bang on. Um, yeah. No, love this conversation. It's fantastic.
2: We'd
0: like to get some practical steps women can take to improve their financial literacy and relationship with money during particularly this phase of life um, and taking in both health and uh,
2: monetary perspectives as well. Yeah, sure. I think, um, look, for me, you know, it, it all starts with the mindset. So if we can start with bringing an awareness to what was the relationship with money growing up? What was the money environment growing up? What was the money stories and the significant events that, occurred while you were growing up. And once we start exploring this, because most people don't realize is that most of our money beliefs are embedded by age six. They're explored between that six to 12 period, you know, embedded people, you know, they're checking with their friends, what are the friends doing? But essentially, they've pretty much been embedded by age six. And so if we can start bringing this awareness, because like most things after you read and write at school, you don't really upgrade how you read so that you can read quicker. It's the same with finances. You don't do a lot of work around money and it's not taught in schools or it wasn't historically taught in schools. So there's very little upgrade to that. So if we can start bringing this awareness. Now, the next step of that is forgiveness, because as soon as we start bringing awareness, then we start playing blame. blame. Blame on others because I'm not as financially literal as what I could have been. Blame on myself because I knew that I could have learnt or I could have done, you know, things to actually increase my own level of education. The reality is you were operating with the tools that you had available at that time. So having a real sense of compassion and forgiveness and acceptance of where you're at. But you now do have a choice to be able to change that. Then what we do is we step into that mindset piece, which is what is the beliefs that you're telling yourself? I'm not good with money. I don't know how to manage money. Um, you know, I can't be trusted with money. I'm not worthy of having money. And again, that that earning piece comes back into sometimes we have these money blocks, which is we can't earn more than our partners. We can't earn more than family members or friends. So we can sometimes put these ceilings. So it's really stepping in and exploring where that's coming up. The emotional side comes into the body. So if we're feeling these really strong emotions around guilt, shame, fear, anger, then quite likely they haven't been released. Now, emotions are chemical reactions in our body. So what we focus on then is really exploring how can we look at more positive emotions, which is joy, joy gratitude, happiness. So it's really starting to do that on a daily basis. And that's something that I practice on a daily basis. I I do meditation every day and I'm rewiring the emotions for where I envisage my life, but also around how I perceive myself and more in the positive, the whole gratitude piece. I wake up in the morning and it's what am I grateful for? Three things straight away before I jump out of bed. It's like, what am I grateful for? So those little things. The practical, which is the next part, is definitely, and most people roll their eyes when I say this because we hear it all the time, but it's understanding where is your cash flow going. So the money that's coming in and then what are you spending? What are you spending it on? Because more often than not, when you start doing a bit of an audit, you may find that you've got subscriptions that you subscribe to and you're not using. Um, Most people have multiple digital streaming services. They're actually not watching all of them. Um, You might be spending a substantial amount of money on takeaways, but... You actually enjoy cooking. They're things that have maybe, you know, held over from COVID lockdown. So it's getting really clear on, well, what am I spending my money on? Then understanding what what do I value? Do I value family? Do I value connection? Do I value health or growth, maybe education? So it's then redirecting that money to what you value, travel, And then going, well, okay, obviously you need to be earning more than you're spending and you want to be able to be saving for the future as well. So making sure that there is money for an event if there's an emergency and even planning for, um, you know, perimenopause and menopause symptoms because there is costs involved with regard to managing that. So putting money aside towards health to make sure that you can go through this period and stage of life in as much comfort as you can by engaging whatever specialists or, um, you know, um, tools that you need to go through that. And then really stepping into checking in. Treat it like a friend. Like how long, will, you know, how often do you check in with your friend or your children or it you want to be nurturing it like anything else? Because financially, we're making money decisions every day, even though we don't realize it. We put the heater on, we turn the light on, we use, you know, shower, gas, electricity, water. Every day we are actually interacting with money and yet we're not really being conscious with the decisions we make on how we spend money. And that's really stepping you back into the driver's seat rather than sitting in the passenger seat.
1: I love that bit. I might just dial my boys in to come and have a chat to you about the the electricity, the shower and all that kind of thing as well. (laughs) But um, wonderful tips and um, yeah, and it's lovely to see that uh, the things that you're bringing up are things that we practice and that we openly talk about here on our podcast. So I don't feel like any of that would be foreign to our, um, to our listeners, but just applying it in a different sense from a, a monetary point of view. So they're, they're brilliant. Thank you. So we're, we're at the last question, Susan. You've done a brilliant job here, just uh, beautiful. So this podcast is all about power and finding, nurturing, and uh, using your personal power as you transition through life phases in this perimenopause and beyond. We'd love to know, know from you, from your experience, how you've come into your own power.
2: Yeah, for me, it's been an exploration of self-development and really stepping into who I am as an individual. And I think that's been the biggest thing. And, it, and you know, whether you're going through perimenopause or menopause or you're, you know, exploring the financial side, the more that you can actually gain an understanding of yourself and you build happiness internally, the less you rely on external events and people to actually make you happy. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that it gives you more clarity around the decisions that you're making because you get clear on what you value. You're no longer being driven by other people's needs and and definition of what's you know healthy or what's good you're actually being driven by your own definition and you know I've been through my own health journey and and now really being quite intuitive of of what I'm requiring and and what support services I need and I think that's where that has been um a major development for me because I think we can live in this rat race of a world that we just flow along rather than stepping back into who we are and, and really reading into what we actually physically need. And then from a financial point of view, understanding, well, what is that narrative that keeps coming up and maybe sabotaging you with regard to, you know, starting to create wealth or, you know, build more wealth. I
1: love that. So you've You've provided some beautiful tips and I think our listeners will probably be reviewing this again because there's lots to um, to unpack, I think, from the whole podcast and what you've shared with us.
2: Where can our listeners find you, Suzanne? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm at mindfulfinances.com.au. I post most of my content to Facebook under Suzanne Alexander. Otherwise, I'm on Instagram, mindful, uh, mindful underscore finances or on LinkedIn as well. Well, you sound busy.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And um, we haven't had anyone on um, the podcast uh, around the whole finance thing. So I'm really, really appreciative, or we are really appreciative of all the beautiful tips and advice that
0: you've shared with us today. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you.